Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerged triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Hello there, and welcome to Mission Unstoppable. What is going on here? Oh, my goodness. iTunes wants to play badly today. (laughs) Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, as always, you know, there's always something going on live radio. (laughs) Well, hello and welcome again to Mission Unstoppable Radio and now TV on Facebook Live. Today, we're going to be talking about relationships, especially those difficult ones, the ones that come with lots of drama, manipulation, and the ones that take away our self-esteem. My guest today is Dr. Roberta Shaler. She is also known as the Relationship Help Doctor. As a relationship consultant, mediator, speaker, and author, Dr. Roberta Shaler provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis at home and at work. Even in the United States, Marines have sought her help. That's saying something. (laughs) I can't wait to hear about that story. Dr. Shaler focuses on helping the partners, exes, and adult children of the relentlessly difficult people she calls hijackles. I love it. She offers strategies for dealing with the constant uncertainty and jaw-dropping behaviors of toxic people. She is the author of 16 books, including Escaping the Hijackal Trap and Stop, That's Crazy Making, and How to Stop Playing the Passive-Aggressive Game. Please welcome Dr. Roberta Shaler to Mission Unstoppable. How are you? I'm really well. Thanks for having me, Frankie. Oh, what, what a pleasure it is to have you here today. I'm really excited to talk about all of the stuff that you do. Uh, and saying that, because it is Mission Unstoppable, and you didn't just become unstoppable you know, this, <laughs> at this point in time in your life, I want to go back, go back to little Roberta Shaler, who, um, did you think you'd be a psychiatrist? Did you think you'd do relationships? What, you know, who, what were you playing with, and, and what did you think you would grow up to be? Well, I was planning to grow up to be a medical doctor. Oh, okay. And I followed that plan until I was just about to go to medical school when another plan intervened, which was motherhood. So I switched to psychology. Okay. Very good. All right. So, you know, life often, you know, uh, they say fiction covers life, life covers fiction, but in in your books, which are nonfiction, um, your, your life obviously... Uh, some of your life is, is, is glimpsed in there. And, and one of the glimpses was the hijackal parent that you had. And maybe that's why it's so important to you to write about this and keep writing about it and write about it because you want to hit that home point. You know, you want to get that point home, I should say. Um, did you walk on eggshells with mom? Did you have to do that? Oh, I did. I don't know that my feet ever touched the ground. It was so trying. Um, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Frankie. That's one of the reasons that I do the work that I do. But it wasn't just mom. Um, my father's family was an entire layer of hijack oh, calls. Yeah. The most horrible people I have ever known in my life. And my mother, God bless her, she apparently was a lovely person, but 
then she had uh, what they called in the day a nervous breakdown and they gave her electroshock therapy and when she came back she was a hijackal and um irretrievable hijackal so i was surrounded by them and i was an only child just to make oh, it more fun no. so i've got like hijackal dung coming at me all day long and um so yes and it took me a long while so for everybody listening or watching it can take a long while before you realize what happened to you, how it's affecting your your life every day, but how it's affecting your relationship choices and what you're willing to put up with. And that's the key. What are you willing to put up with? <laughs> and being able to recognize it too, because it is yeah. difficult to recognize when you're in the midst of something. Uh, but these people that you call hijackers, let's describe them. I mean, I have a definition and I think it, that'll help. Hijackals are people who hijack a relationship, any relationship, for their own purposes, and then they relentlessly scavenge it for power, status, and control every day. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And you can be in a relationship with a hijackal, and they will be the scourge of the earth at home and out in public they will just be so lovely. And that's what makes it difficult because all these horrible things are happening at home. And when you go to tell somebody about them, they say, oh, how could you say that about that person? They're lovely. Well, they're not. But that's what hijackals do. So it's very important to know that you're not nuts. (laughs) It happened to you. And when you speak about it and nobody can understand, then you need to speak to someone who can. You know, I, I, I'm going, yes, yes, I identify with that. I mean, I was probably married to a hijackal. Uh, he was an alcoholic. And you say that a lot of them are addicted, have addictive right. personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember people saying, oh, he's the greatest guy. You've got the greatest guy ever. Yeah. Oh, he's so funny. He's so this, he's so that. And at home, he was like totally different. Totally. None of that. None, None of, of that, that at home. None of that at home. As a matter of fact, we all, like you said, you know, this is somebody that one day acts this way and the next day acts that way. It's a Jekyll and Hyde personality and you don't know who you're going to get in any given moment. And that's the scariest part, really. Well, that is the scary part. And the thing is that because they'll behave differently with the person that they say they love the most, then you know that you are always, as you said, walking on eggshells, but you're walking on a high wire over some really dangerous territory. And you're always on edge because, as you said, you don't know who you're going to get. If they really want something from you, they're going to be doing what we call love bombing. They're going to be all over you and you're the best thing since sliced bread. And then when you're, when they get what they want, you go back into the useless pile. And so frequently I say, you know, I have Facebook groups about this and I put out a lot of graphics and often I will, I will remind people, hijackals don't have love to give you. They have uses for you. Ooh, that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to make a mental note of that one. They have uses <laughs> for you because they, they, they trap you. And, and I can see how, how your mother, you know, would end up going for electric shock therapy because she was, no, you know, I mean, I don't know this woman. And I'm sure she was lovely before it happened to her, but you know, this person manipulates your mind. They make you believe that something is happening. That's not happening or is happening that hasn't happened that you are this or you're that. And, and you go crazy. You go, you know, is it me? Is it them? And everybody, when everybody out there, out there is going, 
he's so amazing. She's so amazing. And you're going, no, they're not. No, they're not. You know, my dad wasn't a hijackal. My dad was an extreme passive aggressive. The rest of his family were overt hijackals, horrible. Uh, but my dad wasn't. He was this quiet guy who raged inside but never said boo to a goose, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so he didn't cause the problem with my mom. That was something that happened entirely internal to her. And there had been problems in her family similar before. So it wasn't that. But what it was was when she came back, she kind of fit in. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so now she's one of the pack and oh wow so aside from walking on eggshells what what was life like for you as a little girl like well the thing about hijackles is they're highly competitive so when you're cute and lovely everybody's giving you attention so the hijackal is happy but then as you begin to develop words and will and things like that then we start to get the clashes. And when that starts happening, it becomes a competition. So a hijackal parent will be in competition with a four-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. And so you get that all the time. Now, my saving grace, Frankie, is that I happen to be bright and I happen to be talented. So I got a lot of leeway from the hijackals because I was always performing. I would either be playing the piano or singing or oh. getting really good grades. I was lucky. If somebody doesn't have that, you're just going to get squashed on a daily basis. And of course, not being too shabby in the brains department, I would stand up to them and I would argue with them and I would demonstrate logic. And I remember one day I was 15 and my mother, you know, she had this big feisty sort of way to her and she came home and she said, well, I really took the wind out of her sails. And my 15 year old said, I don't know why you waste your energy. Well, why didn't you take your sail out of her wind? Oh, you don't do that to a hijackal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I was fortunate. I had some ways of coping that didn't mean that I got out of it unscathed. Didn't mean that all the subconscious things that happened in my early life were not there and had to be dealt with as they have to be with everybody. But at least I could see some of the forest for the trees. I could see that they were behaving badly. I could see that they were lying and manipulating. I could see all of that and I would call them on it, which didn't make my life happy, but they didn't hit me because they couldn't. <laughs> it was faster. People. Yeah. <laughs> now, if, if you had, you know, if it could have gone another way. It could have been you're playing the piano and they go to go, oh, you're amazing, Roberta. Like, what, a, what a wonderful pianist you are. And in the next minute, like, you're a piece of crap. You know, don't even oh, play. Oh, they again. did that. Don't play they, again because you, you can't even play. Oh, yeah. No, they wouldn't do that because, you know, the playing was like top of the realm. But at least twice a week, my mother would say to me, it's a good thing you're smart because you're fat and ugly. Oh. So they get you somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, they're going to get right? you. <laughs> they're, they're going to have the gotcha. Yeah. They're going to find the soft spots, the sore spots, the vulnerable places, and they're just going to shove their little ice picks in there. Wow. So how do you, how, how do you tell them, for, and I know that in the book you talk about don't label people, but how do you tell this personality from a different kind of personality? That seems very close to it. Okay, well, let me say what, what I said about not labeling people is this. I said, don't go to the Google goddess 
put in your description of what you're experiencing and have the Google goddess say that person is a narcissist or a sociopath or a borderline or a psychopath or a narcopath. That's the label I'm talking about because unless that person goes and is actually diagnosed, it's a bad idea. A bad idea for you to play psychologist or psychiatrist because what you do is you put a label on them and now it's all about them. Right. You know, they're no good. They make life difficult. Them, them, them. And you don't do your own work. So that's why don't label. But how are you going to recognize them? One number one thing, they always have to win. So whether you're deciding as who, where we're going for dinner or where we're going on vacation, or how we're going to spend our money, or who was right about predicting the outcome of the Super Bowl, (laughs) they always have to be right. And if circumstances prove them wrong, they will immediately say that you misheard them, they didn't say that, all of that, you know? So the narrative changes along with the outcome of whatever they need it to be. So they're very good at changing dialogue. Absolutely. And, and they will change it in a heartbeat. I never said that. You know, I watched a politician being spoken to or heard um, the other day and a, a piece of tape was being played. And the person said to the politician, uh, here's a piece of tape that you said that. And the person said, oh, no, I never said that. So wisely, the interviewer said, well, here's another piece, played another piece of tape of that person. And the person being a hijackal then couldn't say, I never said that. So they said, you media people are always getting it wrong. You're always on my case. And they started to attack. Supreme hijackal in that situation. Yeah. Wow. Has to win. Has Has to to be right. Yeah. Are they that clever that they can... Are they that clever that they actually manipulate... And, and think about it beforehand, or is this just part of the per, their personality that they can just do it on the fly? <laughs> like, yeah, they do it on the fly. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you think about it, it's like being backed into a corner with a tiger for them every moment. They got to win. They got to win. They got to win. They're always on the defensive. They're always on edge. They're always coming out at you, um, and so they do it on the fly. And and let's say something compassionate about them. They didn't choose to be this way. You know, when you say, well, you're so awful, it's not like they woke up one morning and said, I think I'll be a hijackal. <laughs> yeah. They came from three things. First of all, you can have DNA markers for it. There's brain chemistry issues, and there's their environment that they came from. And they they didn't have a chance, right? <laughs> the ones that find themselves in, in prison, they never had a chance. Some people have a little bit of a chance because they can co- choose some better behaviors. And then there's a third category of hijackle that I found. Um, and this is just me saying this, but I know people in my practice and I have people from all over the world because I work by video um, who have never ever thought that they could change and get another skill set. Mm-hmm. They have this one skill set that they hit everything with and when it doesn't work, they're completely bewildered. And, the, you know, I have, I, I found that, you know, I, I think of a man in my practice, he describes, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it differently. And so we're slowly going back. It takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Where did these pieces come from? How, do you, you know, 
is this what you think? Yes, it's what you think. Is this what you want to think? Does it get you the result you want? No, it doesn't. Okay, we have to change this. And I always tell my clients, we're going to do the self-improvement Samba because it's going to be two steps forward and one step back. And it's a slow thing, but there are yeah. some people who just need another skill set. And they've been so afraid to say, I need another skill set, that they've been hitting the world with the skill set that doesn't work. But then, as I say, on the other end of the spectrum, there are people who would never, ever for a moment admit that they anything was anything less than perfect within them. So they also have this love-hate relationship with the people that they love, right? So it's it's like, I love you, but I hate you. I remember my ex saying, you know, how much he, how much he hated me. And, and I go, if you hate me so much, why are you still here? Yeah. Why are you Makes still sense. here? Go away. Go, go. I go, really, I'd love for you to leave. Right? <laughs> but they stayed. They kept staying. And when I tried to go, it's like, no, you can't go. No, I'm going to pull you back in. No, you can't go. So what is it? They need the audience. Do they, do they, they desire love so badly that even though they can't help themselves but be bad towards you, they still think you'll stick around? It's okay. What these people need is what we call supply. They need to have enough supply around. Usually that's one person at a time, but they always have prospects in the wings, if not a second or third person that they're actually seeing and cultivating to make sure that if you go, there's somewhere to go, right? Right, right. And so they always need supplies. So when they say, go away, and then they realize instantly what they did. And then they say, come back, right? <laughs> Actually, I write about that because I say they shove you away yet demand that you stay. That's one of the yeah. subtitles of one of my books. And, and yeah, that's what they do because they need control and power over you. That's it, control and power. But they really aren't powerful and have no control. They're really very insecure. Well, they have both power and control because people give it to them. Uh, but they are insecure, and that's why they have extreme needs for power and control. And so as long as they pick a person, hijackle bait, that's what I call it. As, as long as their hijackle radar is working and they can find the hijackle bait, somebody who will accommodate them, somebody who will look at them and say, oh, you've just never been loved well enough. You just need more love. You need more time. You need more attention. You need more nourishing. You need me to be more patient, less demanding. I will make myself into a pretzel for you, and then you'll change. You'll change back into that charming person I met. Now, whether that's male or female hijackles, it doesn't matter. We get hooked on hope that the charmer will return. So the, the, there's a, a woman in, in your book that you talk, Mia, let's call her that, um, that you talk about in the book, who was, you know, the party girl. And she had this great guy. Um, and they partied and it was wonderful. And they traveled and all this great stuff. And then she finds herself, like you said, pregnant at 32. You, did, you couldn't figure that one out. So now you're getting married. Um, and then she goes, she doesn't want to be a mom. She goes back to her party behavior. Why would she have why would she have needed to be married or wanted to have that baby to, to capture this man? What would be the benefit of that when she's going to go out and do her behavior again? Power, control, and acquisition. She got him. 
Okay. <laughs> she, she, she the big gotcha. I got him now. He's mine. I've got my hooks into him. Now I can set him aside and I'm fine. I can go do whatever I want because I've got this compartment filled. I have the partner. But because hijackals only think about themselves, now what do I want? Oh, I want to have fun. So in that case, that woman went off and left my client with her son for 10 years. She for just 10 went years. 10 years. She just went and did whatever she wanted. Saw the child occasionally. Um, did he divorce not, her during that time? Oh yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden she popped in and wanted the child again, like somewhere out here, the supply dried up. So now we're going back to find the previous supply where, you know, we always have that idea. It seems particularly dysfunctional people or people who have never been loved in their lives. They have an idea that a child will provide unconditional love. That child will always love me. Well, it's not true. You know, children don't love no, people not, who are horrible. Yeah, they don't um, people who've gone away for 10 years either. So, so she, she popped back in and, and wanted custody. And in her mind, she thought that this child would love him. She thought that the husband would give the, her custody. She thought everything would be, hey, I'm the mm-hmm. mom. That's okay. Like, yeah. So in their head, is it like a chemical thing in their brain that, that that's just off, that doesn't feel any shame or morality or do they feel shame in, in a sense of no they don't. no the, the, you know if they're like i told you the three kinds the died in the world yeah. uh then maybe learn some skills on the surface and then the ones who need a new new skill set but she's a died in the wool um so no there's no shame there's nothing it's i want what i want when i want it i'm always going to win you're always wrong you are always at fault you always lose um I'm going to keep you in ambiguity and uncertainty forever. <laughs> so just when I, you think you've got me figured out, I'll change. I mean, they have all of these characteristics. Actually, I have a program called Seeing the Cycles, and it's a program that you just work on yourself. It's a self-study program. It's available for relationship help because if you, what you're hearing is how do I see what's going on? Then you need all these examples. So there's, I don't know, 13 videos over there and you, you know that I've made, and, and you can learn all about this. But it's important because if you were raised by a hijackal, you lived with one, you loved one, you left one, you need to know what was theirs and what's yours. Can just take a moment here. Um, you are listening to Mission Unstoppable Radio and TV. Dr. Roberta Shaler is my guest today. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso, and I'm going to say hi to Arianne. Thanks for joining us, Arianne. I appreciate it. Um, good to see you here. <laughs> okay, so how do they differ from a narcissist? No, they, they don't. Oh, they are a narcissist. Yeah, the reason, as I said earlier, I don't like psychological sure. levels because they're, you know, they very seldom go for a diagnosis, so you don't know what they are. So if you, if you just pick that up on the internet or somebody told you they were, start using the non-clinical term hijackal. They have those traits, they have those patterns, they have those cycles, but you don't know their psychological profile. So don't play with that. But they are all the same. All hijackals drink from the same pool of traits. Okay. Doesn't okay. matter psychological label or not. Just know that they have these traits, these patterns, these cycles, and they will not change unless they're in that third category that says, I really want to change and I don't know how. 
But they might say that to you too, just to keep you around. Oh yeah, but we'll find that out right quick. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> they know how to play the game. They know how exactly. To play. So, Let me yeah. say something, yeah. Frankie, right there. I have had so many clients, and I know that this is true, who have gone very hopefully to professionals with their partner hoping for change. If people are not like me who work with this specifically, they don't see this very often. So what happens is the hijackle hijacks the session. The hijackle manipulates, exploits, and seduces the professional over to their side. The professional and the hijackle then turn on the partner, and the partner gets doubly wounded. If that's happened to you, make sure that you go to a professional who understands hijackles. Wow. And I'm sure that, okay, I don't know if there's a sign out there that says hijackle expert, but <laughs> I know that you or I probably wore one over our head. I mean, I always say needy apply here, but how do we turn that neon <laughs> sign off now? You know, professionally, they're attracted to us because of our caring nature, I think. Um, but personally, you don't want that. You want somebody who, who can be independent of you and healthy. Yeah, no, um, I see that differently, Frankie. I, I don't, People come to me because of my expertise. They're not drawn to me because of who I am. I mean, I have such a wide range of reach that they come because they say, oh, there's somebody who understands. Not only has she lived it and gone through it and lived it far too long before she figured it out. And then back in the day, there was nobody who could help. I had to figure it all out right. because it just wasn't something that was talked about. And then I had to help. I figured out how to help other people. So... I know that people come because they know that they will be seen and they know that when they bring their partner, that if I see them together and I only work in packages so that we know we're dedicated mm -hmm. to working for a while. Um, and if we start to see that behavior and I start to call that behavior for what it is, the hijackle will run for the hills. Mm -hmm. And that leaves, the, that leaves the partner with the rest of the package to solve the problems. Um, but I can see them and I can validate for someone that those are the patterns. They are actually with a hijackle. And then they can begin to, okay, it's not my fault. It's not all me. Now let me remove the part of me that is enabling this. Let me change that. And I always say to my clients, unless you're being sexually or physically abused, let's do the work before you make a plan to leave. Mm -hmm. Because you want to take your empowered, strong, new self out of the relationship. You don't want to get over there and then do your healing. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. But they can... Um let's, let me ask you this. What percentage would you say... Uh, comes to you and says, oh, but I love them so much and I don't want to leave them. And they're, they're just, you know, they make the excuse for them. They, they mm -hmm. bring all that, um, that. They just have to sit there because their partner's sitting there going, you know, he wasn't loved as a child. And, and you know, I, I, his mom left him at, you know, at the library. <laughs> <laughs> like my ex did. Yeah, you know, so these are the things. And so because they, they love them and they're going to make excuses. And, and as a therapist, you're going to go, okay, you've got your shit and you got yours. <laughs> What's and, and it's different piles. Yeah. They're different uh, piles. But, but they, you know, they, okay. And let, I'm going to back up because you did say that they've got somebody waiting in the wings. So are, how are they picking these people? Are they like the hypnotherapist that, that does, you know, um, in, in the casinos and they can just look at you and go, yeah, 
you're going to be easy, easy peasy. Yes. Yes. is the answer. There's two things that they want. They want the easy peasy and then they want the highly challenging so they can prove how good they are. So it's a big con all the time. It's a big con. Oh, sure. Yeah, because it's all about me.com. Like, look at what I can get. Look at what I can do. Look at how I can manipulate this situation, exploit it, you know. And and hijackers cheat. Yeah. Let's be clear about that. You asked me what percentage (laughs) of women or men are sitting there as the partner of a hijacker saying, yeah, but I love him. By the time they get to me, it's about 70%. But they're on the edge, yeah. quickly willing to have me show that they need to get it down to zero really quickly. <laughs> and it's not, and I shouldn't say that because you will, you can love somebody, but leave them. Of course. Right. So but you, you can love keep loving them. More. Yeah. That's the key, right? You have to love yourself more. To, to yeah, and your children. And your because children. Because always children. remember that you and I, you know, I taught a lot of parenting classes, Frankie, and there was always this moment that, you know, young parents or uh, young children are always really keen to become great parents. And I'd say to them, big shock value, I hope that you enjoyed the three minutes of conception. And they would look at me with a strange face and say, because at that moment you chose to be the model of a woman, a man, and a man and woman in relationship with each other for the rest of your lives. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. right so we are the model for our children and they are taking it in you know our brains grow till we're 25 years old so when we're little we're taking everything in through our senses you know how they put everything in their sure. mouths and, and feel everything and they're taking that in am i safe here am i not safe in this world what what is going on and they're learning this how do you keep the giants happy how do you make them not angry you know what do you do you're learning all that before you have language you don't know you learned all that then this is what goes into making you hijackle bait because you you try to please those giants and you know keep them away and if there's substance abuse going on then you've got a double whammy like they're like this and then they're like that and you have to learn all of this so this is a really big unpacking that has to happen and not just that those little ones believe that they're the cause for everything they do you know i've i've I always remember these two little girls came in because their mom wanted them to to understand what was going on and and their father had left the home a couple of months earlier. And so I said to them, do you know why daddy doesn't live with you anymore? And this is a prime example of how the brain works before the development of the prefrontal lobes at seven or eight. And they both said, yes. I said, well, why is that? And the little one said, because I left my bicycle behind his car. Oh. That's how children process information at certain levels of brain growth. So if you think that the child can understand when you say, you know, well, um, daddy's going away and it's nothing you did, mm-hmm. child doesn't understand that. Child is hardwired to believe that the child was instrumental and the parent leaving. And it's very difficult. I mean, yes, the prefrontal lobes kick in between seven and eight, but it's like anything we have to learn how to use them. So that takes us another two or three years to learn how to use them. And then we start to have rational linear sequential thought. Then we can go back and say, well, I remember a lot of noise when mommy and daddy would 
be in the kitchen and mummy was always crying. Maybe daddy wasn't being very good to her. Maybe that's why daddy left. Mm-hmm. But not at five or six. Yeah, I left my bike behind the car and daddy got mad and now he doesn't live with us anymore. That's so sad. It is. It's really sad what we do to our kids, man. Yeah. So would it be best for the children, even if the parents, you know, work it out for him to go anyway or she to go? <laughs> oh, there's the, the million dollar question. Here's, here's the thing. And this is why I always tell people, do your own work first. Because you're the only one who can calibrate what's going on in your relationship. There are certain times in a child's life when separation is not as difficult as others. However, here's your big question. Here's your razor's edge. When you're there, you can hear and see everything that is said and done to the children. If you leave... Yes, they don't have the model of the hijackal, but the hijackal has them up to 50% of the time when you don't see and hear what's going on. And you can't do anything about that. Mm -hmm. So each case is different, Frankie. We've got to think about it for each person. Okay, you make the changes. You do different strategies. You get healthier. You get more empowered and stronger. And then you do what you do in your relationship. You see what happens if we can make a difference then you can make a good decision. If you do all of that and it makes no difference, in fact, the hijackal gets worse, then you have to calibrate this. But I also advise people on how to know when to go and when, and when to stay and the whole divorcing process because the courts are not good at seeing hijackals. Okay, so question. I do my work. I become, you know, more powerful, able to stand up for myself. I'm not going to take your crap anymore. I'm not going to walk on eggshells. I'm going to be me in my relationship because I live here. This is my home. Yay, yay for me. Yeah. Now my hijackal, I, I, I'm too much of a, too much, too much work now. <laughs> yeah. You can't reel me in anymore or she can't reel me in anymore. So are they just going to walk off? Themselves? No, no. No. No, no, because now you become a challenge, oh, you know, okay. and, and now they, I mean, remember their number one thing is to win. Right. So if okay. you're walking away, they got to win, right? And if they can't win with charm and manipulation, they will win by threat and intimidation. Okay. Right. Yeah. And they are charming. They're very charming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they can turn it on and, and that's the thing. Um, remember how they got you in the first place? You are hooked on hope that that person's coming back. So every time that they put on the charm, that person seems to be showing up and you think, oh, they're there changing. They oh, they get it. Oh, this is going to work. And your hope is larger than your memory of the pain. So, I mean, okay, I'm going to go back to the beginning of the book where you talk about You've done this work, you, you met a great guy, you, he said something, you went, he's a hijackal. Oh my goodness. And yet you took the bait, you took the bait and you didn't say anything and you went, you went on with the, the show. Was he that amazing that you went on with the show? It was so familiar. It felt like home. Like, what was it? What do you think it was? Both those things and... 
Okay, so first of all, it's going to be an, you're going to be comfortably uncomfortable with the pattern, but it's so familiar that you think, oh, I know this one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then you have the hope factor. Then you have the skill of the hijackal. And this happened to me. And you had you skill. Know? You had skill. And I had, I had all this information. And this guy's reeling me in. And we're sitting um, on a bench in Granville Island in Vancouver. And he, he turns on the tears. Now, hijackals can turn on tears on a dime. He turned on the tears and he started saying, well, I don't know if I can be with the person who did this. Like I did this tiny little thing he didn't like. And my brain is going, oh, I didn't have the term hijackal. I only created that in 2015. Um, But my brain is going, oh, passive aggressive crap, right? Oh, you're not really upset. You're trying to manipulate me. And my brain's doing all of this. But my, my old self is saying, yeah, but you're thinking about moving in with this person and you're changing countries and you're thinking about all this and which is going to win. And the actual fact was that the wrong one won for a while until I saw a couple more iterations of the behavior. That No, no, we aren't having any of that because they can be highly attractive. Right. right? Now, in this case, this man told me that, you know, he'd owned a real estate company, he owned all of this and everything. I found out that none of that was true. He had no credit. He had the money he had in his jeans and he had lied about everything. So you just have to Did really... Did you run for the hills then? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then you really have to be willing to ask the tough questions yeah. and and question the answers if you're smart, you know, if you're meeting somebody and there starts to be red flags, take off the rose-colored glasses because it's hard to see red flags with rose-colored mm-hmm. glasses. Mm-hmm. You know, you want the for happily ever after, but you're not going to have it with a hijackal. So rip off those rose-colored glasses and see the red flags and s- talk about them. So I don't like let, that. Let, let's, let's lay it out there again. So you've got... Um, this this personality they're charming they can be extremely good looking they they're very um, disingenuous though but they're smooth and they can reel you in and they can cry on a dime and they can you know pull at your heartstrings and and they can make you seem like you're the most fabulous thing in the world and and then they can turn on you again you know now you're one two dates in three dates in four dates in even what might they say to you for that red flag? The first red flag. What might happen? Oh, well, one of the first things that they like to do is they, they, they invite you somewhere. And then at the last minute, they tell you that they can't come. Okay. All right. So immediate control. Like I, I, I wanted to, I really wanted to, but I can't come. And you, you buy it. Okay. The second time that it happens, they say they'll make really good excuses. I have to work. I have to do this or that. The other thing, you have to be able to stand up at that moment and say, "I cannot deal with this behavior well. I need four hours' notice if there's going to be a change, unless you're on the way to the hospital, <laughs> and you better have bandages when you come up." And you need to be able to tell the truth. You see, we've got this nice gene. Yeah. People who are attracted to hijackals have this nice gene. That give them the benefit of the doubt way too many times. 
No, you got to put your sleuth hat on. You got to have a different person in your head, your own little Sherlock Holmes that says, no, he said that. And then he said this, those two things don't go together. I either need to ask a question or observe that and say, "Mm, I think I'll take three steps back. Okay. So I know somebody, I believe I know somebody who's involved with somebody like this. And even though they put their sleuth hat on and they're like, ah, 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 they're still going for it. They're still going for it. So how do we stop that behavior? (laughs) <laughs> well, first of all, give her my card or him my card <laughs> um, because they need a dose of reality. And I serve up reality doses really well. But And they can talk to you because you've been through it. You know it. So mm-hmm. give them your card. Tell them. Okay, you're not seeing – the reason I'm saying give them a card is no, you're I not seeing this clearly. Mm-hmm. You're so involved in the hormone haze mm-hmm. that you're hoping too much and ignoring too much. Mm-hmm. And so can we speak about this or do you just want me off your back? And if you want me off your back, I'm not going to say I told you so, but this is my final thing that I'm going to say. I see it. I wish you saw it. Get some help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, I, I, and, I, and I can see from your personality and their personality that this, this type likes a strong personality because it's more of a challenge. It, there's, a, there's a win there for me. There's a win there. But you're saying it's not premeditated. Mm, uh, well, it's it not like premeditated the in that, that, that I think I'll, it? It's not like I, I think I'll go out and control somebody tonight. It's just like I have this innate need to be that way to get my needs met and how I get my needs met is by demonstrating that I have control. They're the master manipulator. Okay. I had a boyfriend like that. I was young. I was 15 or 16, 15 in high school. And he, he, we, you know, we made plans to go out, like you said, and then right at the very last minute, he would say, Oh, I can't, I can't come. So it was the control thing. He, he liked to know that I was home, that I didn't go out. He could go out but I was at home. And the second time he did it, I go, well, guess what? I'm going out. See you later. And he was furious. He came after me, whatever. But you know what? I'm not going to be controlled by somebody. That's not my personality. (laughs) So (laughs) freedom's like my number one, my number one value. And I don't know if it helps to know what your value, but I think it helped me to know what I value. And I really value freedom. And I don't like people telling me what to do. And I certainly didn't like getting all ready. So the second time it happened, it's like not happening again, buddy. First time I can forgive you. Second time I'm understanding why you're doing it because you want to go out and you don't want me to go out. Very so, smart. Very smart at an early age. Frankie. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I don't know where it came from, but um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't take my own advice like the third time around maybe, but um, that's the behavior that we're talking about. People who do that kind of thing. Sure. And they promise you something and then have 10 good reasons why it always has to happen in the future so that you'll buy into hanging it. Wow. It's just phenomenal. It is. So tell me about the addiction part of their personality. Well, if you're addicted to control and you're addicted to feeling good and you're addicted to finding things, then substances have, have appealed to you. Right, because you have an addictive personality already. You're addicted to control. You're addicted to being right. You're addicted to being powerful. Mm-hmm. You're addicted to exerting that power. 
So you honestly believe that nobody knows what you're up to. Hijackles believe that they're the smartest person in any room and the other people have no idea that they're doing it. So they can be this master manipulator pulling all the strings, right? A puppet master. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's important to recognize that that's what they are doing. From their point of view, it's just, I'm going to go out, find what I want, take it, and then move on. So they're predators, and they're looking yeah. for prey. You said that they're the masters of the silent treatment. Yeah. Well, how can you control somebody? You love me? You want to talk to me? I'm not going to talk to you. I had a fellow come into my class years ago, and he said to me, we were talking about the silent treatment, he said, well, how long does it make sense for someone to give you the silent treatment? I happened to know him, so I said, how long does your wife give you the silent treatment? He said, up to six weeks. What? Yeah. he put up with it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so this is a way of withholding you know, having power over you, withholding your presence from somebody. And then that makes them want to run after you and apologize and I'll do whatever you want. And because I hate it because it, mm-hmm. we're born with two fears, two innate fears. One is the fear of falling. We all know that one, you know, when you fall asleep and then you mm-hmm. can catch yourself. But the other is the fear of abandonment. Because we're not like cows and horses. We don't get spit out of our mothers, licked off, and then we jump up and run around the meadow. We're a blob. We know we're a blob. We can't move. We can't feed ourselves. We can't do anything. So we innately know that we can't be abandoned. So what does a hijackle do? Plays right into the abandonment. You know, like, I'll just move away. Or I'll just withhold myself from you. Or I'll fall silent. And now you're abandoned. And you will want to come scurrying back and saying, please, 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 please like me. Right. That's what happens. But they would do that if you made an effort to leave or something. They would probably. Oh, sure. Because they're going to play this game. You know, come closer, go away. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Love you, hate you. Love you, hate you. (laughs) Yeah. And, but love and hate has nothing to do with it. All has to do with it is I have a use for you. Right. And if I think I've got you in my back pocket and everything's cool, then I'll go out and find somebody else. And I'll have more supply. So affairs are something that are common? Lots of affairs. They'll always have somebody in the wings, either a prospect or somebody they're already engaged with. Wow. And they'll deny it, but they have it. And they also, these days, of course, love to have, it means nothing on Facebook, right? Yeah. Those are emotional affairs. Emotional affairs mean things. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. are mean things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. I want to hear about the Marines. Tell me about what would you have done for them? Just to switch uh, here. <laughs> sure. Well, I was called in because they had a hijackle in a group. Oh. And they didn't know they had a hijackle in the group. But, you know, in certain places, many times when I'm working in corporate or or small business, there are places where you have a mixed group. So you have people who are in a union, people who are not in a union, people who are protected, Mm -hmm. people who are unprotected. Well, in this group, there were five different kinds of employment options there. And there was one hijackal who was in a protected group. So you couldn't get rid of her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do we play nicely together? And that's what I was called in to say, can we possibly play nicely together with this person? 
And how can we learn to play nicely together with other people like this? Well, the result of it all was that there was tremendous growth. And of course, being a governmental agency, as soon as there's a tiny bit of of, um, improvement, then my services are no longer needed instead of fixing the problem. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, but the actual result was that um, that woman became my client and we dealt with everything that was going on. She got a much better job somewhere else and she knew who she was and who she was taking and what wouldn't work. And she was much happier. So what would it look like, though, in an environment like that? Like, because they can't get away with the same things they could get away with with a, a spouse or a boyfriend, girlfriend well, let, in a workplace. You know, I was speaking at the uh, California HR conference a couple of years ago, giving this talk on hijackles in the workplace. And one brave soul in the middle put his hand up and he says, well, what happens to them? And I said, well, hold on to your seats. They get promoted. Yeah. Because the the department they're in wants rid of them and they don't care where they go. So they'll either make a lateral or a vertical promotion. Slowly hijackles in organizations go like reverse pinballs. They go back up and slowly they get into management. I was called in to a, the head office of a restaurant chain because the senior VP was, of course, in my words, a hijackle. I walked in and she said, I understand I have to put up with you for 12 sessions, um, but I don't have any intention of talking to you. And that was the beginning of the the coaching relationship. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So there, I, I either work with an individual or I work with a team or I train. And I always say, let's start with training to see who can do better. So let's start with some very specific training. Like I'm just about to do a webinar for Canadian HR Association. And it's called How to Effectively Management Key High Conflict People with Less Drama. A training like that. Okay, here are some things to go and try. See if they're effective. Here are some ways to speak to somebody. See if they're effective. See what your part is. It And when you change that, see if that's effective. And so we then up-level the entire team or department or organization if it's a small business. And then maybe that will take care of it. If the person is a dyed-in-the-wool hijackle, it won't take care of it, but everybody will feel a little more empowered. And when the group feels empowered, the hijackle either has to blow up Mm -hmm. and show their true colors or else they begin to go underground a little bit and go looking for somewhere to have control elsewhere. Because it would be extremely disruptive in a workplace. Oh, it's horrible. uh, Yeah. I mean, but the then whole, often the they're climate. the boss. They're the yeah. boss or the CEO already, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very, very difficult. Very difficult climate to work in. Like that's another place that I would say, you know, if you know your values be in alignment and you could get out or whatever, but some people, they don't have a choice. And, you know, when you're like with the Marines, I mean, you're enlisted. You can't just go, you know. You that's that's right. <laughs> and so, imagine how attractive and I am, I have no statistics on this, but imagine how attractive it is to be in an organization where by the title or the stripes you have on you, you have power over people. Mm -hmm. And imagine if you're a hijackle and that happens. So what happens is hijackles will demonstrate great leadership skills and be promoted and promoted while the people beneath them are complaining and complaining. 
Right. Right. Yes. But because they're getting the results that they were hired for, nobody wants to listen to their complaints. And because the people who are complaining don't want to lose their jobs, we get that dynamic. You know, it's funny, I, I, I see this cartoon, I, I see that cartoon character with the minions, you know, kind of, and, and the bad guy with all his, his you know, sycophants, let's say, who surround him because they need that love and adoration uh, going off and ordering people about. And, yeah. and these people do it because they think they're getting a little bit of, you know, the pepper, the glitter or whatever comes off of them. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's what happens because we are all, each one of us, is the result of our background. Yeah. And whether our background has included awareness and making changes and becoming wiser, or we're still operating from our original programming, that's our choice. So if somebody's listening and they go, you know what? I recognize myself. I don't like it. I really think I want to change, but I don't know if I'm one, two, or three. Um. Only-, only three will be having that thought. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> the other two will be going, hell no, that's not me. <laughs> Untouchable. Yeah, okay. So three, three. if you're listening, you can be helped. Call Dr. Schiller. <laughs> the rest of you, you're on your own. Sorry. No, they, they're they not even listening. They turned yeah. it off in the first thing, oh, this has nothing to do with me. So <laughs> you're not a hijackal if you're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't they like to hear about themselves? No. No? Okay. Because they're not hearing about themselves. They're hearing about somebody else. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So what advice do you have other, you know, they can call you the wives, the exes, the children of... Um, if, 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 is, is, is there work for children? Can you do work with children of, of hijackal parents? Um, what young children that get their self-esteem or their confidence or whatever at this, at this stage, if they have to stay with them? Yes and no. I mean, I can't override a parent and a hijackal parent will never allow their child to be spoken to that way. What if a parent is divorced? And then you can, but here's the drub there, Frankie, people who are divorced and take someone to a professional have to have the approval of both parents. So unless the person has hundred percent legal and um, physical custody, they can't make the decision to bring the child to see me. They have to have the other person's okay. Is that the state of California or is that everywhere? Uh, well, it's generally everywhere because, of course, that's the right thing to do. I mean, you can't go off and take your child to live in a cult <laughs> and no. just because you're divorced. You've but got to have someone's are, approval. Are, are painfully, you know. Then you go through the court. They, yeah. I think they But the hijackal is not going to say, you know, you call up and say, hey, you know, I want to take my child because they've been terribly damaged by your behavior. <laughs> I need you to sign this form. They're, they're not going to do that. No, they're not going to do that. What a shame. So they have yeah. to wait until they're what, 16, 18? What? 16. Yeah. 16, then they can do it themselves? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, then by then they have, they have no idea. They're interested in hormones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're probably not going to figure this out for, for a young person until they're 28 to 30 because they're, they're, then they've had relationships that didn't work or things that have hurt them deeply. And they start saying, why? 
Mm-hmm. You know, we, it's just the pattern of how we grow up. So we keep trying things and, and we don't really realize that maybe, maybe I got the wrong goods in the beginning. Maybe I need to go back and have a look, you know? Last two minutes. What, what do you want? The floor is yours. What do you want to say? <laughs> well, I want to say that if any of this makes sense to you, if you were raised by a hijackal parent, I really want to touch on that, Frankie, because mm-hmm. we didn't. If you were raised by a hijackal parent, you are going to have some deeply underlying things that are going to affect every relationship you have. Maybe you truly, at the very base of who you are, do not believe that you're lovable. Maybe at the base of who you are, you don't believe that you could trust anyone. Maybe you have no idea of what emotional intimacy takes to create it. Mm-hmm. And these things then can be gone back and learned. It's not your fault you didn't have that, but you want them. You long for that. So go get them. Mm-hmm. learn how you were wrongly instructed and not given the good goods in order to have the life that you most want. And you can go back and get that. And if any of this makes sense to you, get help. You can't see this yourself. Give out your website, please. For relationship help, F-O-R relationship help, H-E-L-P.com. And also, if this is sounding familiar, go to hijackles.com and get my free download, How to Spot a Hijackle. <laughs> H-I-J-A-C-K, hijack, dot com, like jackals, hijackles, right? Hijackles. That's a great name. How did you come up with that? I just wanted a non-clinical term that described the way these people behave. And um, I have a wonderful partner in my life, and he and I think well together, and we just kept at it till we found it. Awesome. So Dr. Roberta Shaler, thank you so much for being my guest today. And thanks to each and every one of you who were watching us. I hope you enjoyed our show. I'm sure you did because it was pretty amazing. I thought. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you. I'll see you actually later today. I have another show. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.